Good evening. Then the praise team and the choir do an outstanding job this evening. I uh, got your Bibles turned to the book of Mark, chapter 2. The title of my sermon tonight is Raising the Roof. And uh, while you're finding that, this morning I preached one of the weapons of warfare I talked about that's not used enough that is, would make such a dramatic difference in our war is compassion. And uh, before I got up to preach this morning, one of the little young men brought me this in the back. I mean, right before I got up, just a little box of M&Ms. And it had this card on it. Please enjoy this random act of kindness, Brother Mark. It was from the, uh, the, Just, the Jesus League Sunday school class, Mandy's Sunday school class back there. And they brought me this. And the card attached to that has this scripture on it. Be kind and compassionate one to another. Raise up a child in the way that they should go. I love that. But that has nothing to do with my sermon tonight. <laughs> and I'm not going to share because I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. We're talking about raising the roof. I want to talk about a particular story in the Bible we've most likely all heard. And it's of a uh, paralytic, a man that could not walk. He could not move his limbs. And uh, what his friends did to change that. And I don't know, I've, I've always been pretty good health. I've never had any, any problems with, with using my legs, my arms. I can't fathom what this man had to go through every day to live. The only thing I, I, I got is a small glimpse when I was about 18. I got a small glimpse of what it would be like to not be able to use your limbs. And I was, uh, I was 18, and I, in a table saw accident at my house in Oklahoma, I cut these two fingers almost completely off. And uh, so they rushed me to the hospital. I had 30-something stitches in these two fingers. I had pins put in them. So I got home. That was about 4 or 5 o'clock that evening. I got home that night, and I had this just great big old cast on my arm. And they gave me some really good medication, so everything was cool. And, uh, but my arm was numb. Just could not feel this arm at all. And I remember sitting down, I was watching TV, and I was sitting down on the recliner, and uh, I had the remote in this hand, I was flipping through the channels, and my nose itched. I was leaning back in the recliner, and my nose itched. And I'm like, well, I got the recliner in this hand. I'm not going to put it down to scratch my nose. So I go to scratch my nose with my other arm, the numb one. So I bring it up. I'm good, up. I brought it up. Like from here down, I could not do anything with it. I brought it up, and I could not stop it. And so that giant cast that I had on, I come up, and it come down and hit me right in the face. So now I've got two fingers almost cut off and stitches and pins, and now my nose is bleeding because I wasn't smart enough to put the remote down and scratch it with my other hand. But it was an awful feeling to have a limb that you couldn't do nothing with. 
This man could not use his arms or his legs. So we're going to talk about that story tonight and some of the things that come from that story. So Mark chapter 2, we'll start in the first verse. It says, when he entered Capernaum, this is Jesus. Again, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together that was there no more, so that there was no more room, not even in the doorway, and he was speaking the word to them. Before I go any further, when Jesus is doing something, everybody finds out about it. In a church, if Jesus is doing something, the community is going to know about it. In your life, if Jesus is doing something, everybody you come in contact ought to know about it. He was speaking in this house. The word got out that he was there, and they filled the room. Couldn't get through a window, couldn't get through the door. The place was standing room only. So they came to him, bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. So four men grabbed this friend of theirs on his mat and carried him to Jesus for him to be healed. Since they were not, be able, since they were not able to bring him to Jesus... The story does not end there. This is where a lot of us fall short when we want something from God. When we've been called to do something for God, they run into a little opposition. They brought him. Now, they had the faith to gather up. They grabbed each corner of his bed, and they carried him to where Jesus was. So they put feet on their prayer. They didn't just pray for him. They brought him to Jesus. They knew something was going on. I've got to get him to Jesus. And they brought him to the doorway, and they ran into opposition. And that is where a lot of us would have just said, all right, I've done what I could. I got up this morning. I grabbed a corner of his bed. Me and three guys carried him to where Jesus was, and we just couldn't get in. It must not be God's will. But the story doesn't end there. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him and after digging through it they lowered the man or the mat on which the paralytic was lying seeing their faith Jesus told the paralytic son your sins are forgiven so they run into opposition and they couldn't go any further so instead of walking back they go up on the roof they tear a hole in it They tear a hole in the ceiling and they lower him down to Jesus. Jesus, seeing their faith, says, Thy son, your sins are forgiven. And of course, he ran into some opposition because of that. And said, But some of the scribes, the religious leaders, were there questioning in their heart. Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And right away Jesus perceived in his heart or in his spirit that they were thinking like this themselves and said unto them, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, Get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins 
And he looked at the paralytic and he told him, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. And immediately he took it up, he took the mat, he went out in front of everyone, and as a result, they were astounded and gave glory to God, saying, We have seen, we have never seen anything like this. So they didn't stop at the door. They tore a hole in the house. They lowered him down to Jesus. Jesus sees their faith and tells him, your sins are forgiven. There's a few things I want to look at in this story. About four things I want to look at. First is the friend's response. The friends had a predicament. They had a friend that was paralyzed, could not move his arms, could not move his legs. And they heard that Jesus was in town. They knew all had Jesus had done. They knew what Jesus was capable of. And they knew their friend was in trouble. And they didn't give up. I want you to look at their response to what they came in contact with. I heard a uh, story of some Boy Scouts. This Boy Scout troop, they, the leader got this Boy Scout and they took him out into the woods and they laid this one Boy Scout by the tree and they put a bandage on him. They said, you're going to be injured. And we're going to go back out, and we're going to come in and find you, and we're going to carry on first aid. So they put this little boy by the tree, and they all went back out to the camp, and they waited a few minutes, and they all went back in, and they got a little lost from where they were. They lost their bearings. They couldn't quite find him, and it took a little longer than what they thought. So they finally found where the boy was, and where he was, there was a note stuck to the tree. The note simply said this, have bled to death and gone home. Their friend was in trouble, and they were not going to let anything stop them from helping their friend. They didn't quit. Sometimes, like I said, we run into just a little bit of opposition, and then we're like, all right, I'm done. We've all been there. And it could be the, the silliest thing sometimes. It amazes me. I've talked to people that, that say, I don't go to church, and I always carry on this conversation because they'll, they'll find out I'm a preacher. And they say, I used to go to church. I don't go much anymore. And so I always try and find out why. And some of the things that I've heard are just absolutely ridiculous. Somebody said something to me. Somebody looked at me wrong. I don't like what they were doing. I don't like what so-and-so was saying. I'm not sure if they said it, but I was told that they were said it. I've never stepped foot in church again. Went into a little bit of opposition. If I had been that way when I was a child, uh, I would never get in a car again. When I was about eight or nine years old, we used to, uh, there was no such thing as paying bills online. The, the most updated thing we could do is, is put the bill in the envelope and take it to the place and drop it in the little slot and that was like amazing that you didn't have to go through all the trouble you could just drop your bill off and that was that was online banking back in the day and I remember we went to the, it was the water company and we were going to pay the water bill I went with my mom and, and we had this little it was a uh, 85 model Buick uh, Skylark and a tan color just as I think they went to the showroom and said give me the most bland car you can think of and we'll take it and so we pulled up, and I got out, and I ran to probably 20 yards to where the door was, and there was a little envelope slot by the door. And so I got out, and I ran up there, and I put it in there. But what I didn't know is there was another car that pulled in. So my mom pulled ahead, and the car pulled in behind her. And the car behind her 
uh, was the most bland looking 85 model Buick Skylark. Apparently they shopped at the same place. And I was just, I run up there, I put the slot in, I go back and I get in my car. So I go and I jump in, I sit down and we're not moving. I'm like, why are we not moving? Let's go. And I look over and that's not my mom's. <laughs> and this lady's just looking at me and just grinning from ear to ear and I can see my mom in front. Now, coming to my rescue? No. She's doubled over in the driver's seat, laughing her head off. I got out, I got over there, I said, I am never getting in another car again. And if I had not ever gotten in another car again, I would have missed out on a lot of stuff. But I didn't let a little opposition, I mean, it scarred me for life, but I didn't let a little opposition stop me from doing what I needed to do. They didn't quit. They got to the door. I, I've got to hammer this point home. They got to the door, and there was no way in. No rational human being would think to tear a hole in the ceiling and drop him through. They couldn't get in the door. They couldn't get in the window. I'm going home. Sorry, buddy. I've done all I can do. I brought you as far as I can. I'm going home. I don't know if they had a conference about this, but in the story, there's no hesitation. I don't know if they voted on it. They might have been Baptists. I don't know. It says they took him. They went up to the top. They tore a hole in the roof, and they lowered him down. They didn't quit. They took a risk this was going to cost them something you don't go tearing holes in ceilings of houses and just get away with it I've known churches that split over the color of the paint on the wall or the color of the carpet on the floor and they're tearing the place apart to get this man in they took a risk it doesn't matter what it's going to cost me I don't care if somebody looks at me weird I don't care if it's going to cost me a little extra money. He needs to see Jesus. Look what the Bible says. When Jesus saw them, they got God's attention. If that don't give you goosebumps, you might want to check your pulse. They got God's attention. There was a room full of people listening to Jesus preach the word. These guys tear a hole in the place and lower them down, and they get God's attention. I was coming home from work the other day. I was driving through Satsuma, and there was a yellow Jeep pulled out on the 43 there going down the road and this guy was hanging about halfway out of his jeep he had a leg hanging out it was just a complete open cab jeep he had a leg hanging out and his arm he was just doing this what in the world is this dude doing so I rolled my windows down I speed up to get around to see what this dude is doing and he's got that song I ran out of that grave blaring in his jeep and he is just praising God having a good time 
Now, he almost met the Lord because he just about fell out the Jeep. And I got to thinking, you ain't going to run out of that grave. But he got my attention. You know what else? Pretty sure he got God's attention. What are you willing to do to get God's attention? Because sometimes we want some things and we need some things and we pray and it's like we run into a house full of people and we're like, all right, I've tried this, this sometimes and God's will is going to be made no matter what. But sometimes we walk away from what God has for us and we use the excuse well, maybe it's just not God's will. When the problem isn't, it's not God's will. The problem is we ran into a little opposition. Somebody said something to me. There was too many people in there. They looked at me funny, and I walked away instead of getting God's attention. What are you willing? Is there something in your life that is so important that if God doesn't step on the scene, then things will not and cannot change? Don't walk away. Do whatever it takes to get God's attention. And they got God's attention. So we look at their, the friend's response. We're going to do whatever it takes to get him in there, to get God's attention. Now look at their request. They wanted their friend healed. They knew what God could do. They knew what God had done. They knew that this man, Jesus, would speak to the demons and he they would flee, touch the blind and they would see, heal the lame and they would walk. They knew. And their request was, we want him healed. They lowered him for the four corners into the building so that he could be healed. It's a good request. Absolute, perfect request. It is what he needed. But was their request good enough? Was their request good enough? Was the being paralyzed the worst thing in this man's life? Because the spiritual problem is far worse than the physical problem. Far worse. Satan attacks my spirit Somebody else attacks my spirit. It has longer lasting effect than if somebody was just come and punch me right in the mouth. I don't want to try this theory out. But if that car had run me over when I was 10 years old, it wouldn't have been as painful, I don't believe, as getting in the wrong car and being absolutely humiliated. Their request was a good request. We want our friend healed. But he needed more than physical healing. He needed spiritual healing. And God is gracious enough when we go to him, he not only knows what we're asking for, he knows exactly what we need. And sometimes we are not smart enough or not spiritual enough to ask God for what we need. We ask for what we want, and he gives us what we need. He sees this man and he says, thy sins are forgiven. He knew exactly what he needed. 
had a uh, man come to me one time, and he said, I want to pray for my, I want you to pray for my brother. He's got cancer. And I said, I, I hate you. I said, I will absolutely pray for him. I said, hey, cancer is a horrible thing. He said, that's not what I want you to pray. He said, I'm not even worried about the cancer. He said, my brother's unsaved. That is the first time anybody had ever brought a request like that to me. Ever. And he said, when you pray, I want you to pray for his soul. Because whether the cancer takes him or not, the fact that his soul is saved is worth everything in the world. And we got right there. It was at work, right in the middle of whatever was going on. And we stopped and prayed for his brother. And his brother was saved a few weeks later. And his brother was healed of cancer a week after that. I also heard of testimony of a, a pastor. And he said, I had this service. It was a huge church. And he said, I never do this, he said, but that morning I felt led to go down and, and to pray for whoever wanted prayer. And I was going to pray for healing. He said, a couple came to me, <clears throat> the man and the wife, and uh, he said, I laid hands on them. And I prayed, and he said, I remembered them. He said, hundreds of people came, but this couple I remember. He said, this man had stage four cancer, and he didn't have much time left, and I felt the Lord. He said, I, I I'd never felt it before. He said, I said, I felt the Lord healing him as I was praying. He said they left. And he said about a month later, after church, he said, this woman came up to me. And he said, I was waiting for the good news. He said, I asked, how is your husband doing? She said, he passed away last week. And he said, I had never felt so defeated in my life. He said, I knew that God had healed him. And he said, I dropped my head. And he said, she must have sensed what I was feeling. He said, she put her hand on me. She said, hold on, Pastor. You don't understand. She said, up to the point where we come to pray, he said, for the last two years, he has been so bitter towards God. He's been so bitter towards his family that he just spent all his time saying it's not fair. I've got more life to live. And he said he, he got to the point where he hated God and he hated everyone around him. He said he was miserable to be with. And she said, you prayed. And she said, for the last three weeks of his life, he was an absolutely different man. She said, the best three weeks of our entire marriage. He surrendered to God. He said he got all of his family together and loved on them for three weeks. And he was ready to go. She said, he wasn't cured but he was healed their request was for the physical God seen what was on the inside and then look at Jesus reply they lower him down and his first response was this son thy sins are forgiven Jesus said the one thing that only he could say, Son, thy sins are forgiven. He skipped the temporal. He skipped the few years that man had left and went straight to the eternal. Your sins are forgiven. He gave him what not what he thought he needed, but he gave him what he really needed. And that's what our prayer should be. 
God, don't give me what I think I need. Give me what I need. And then help me to see that that's exactly what I need. Jesus' reply. And look at the Pharisees' reaction. And I'm going to warn you now, if you do anything for the Lord, if you do anything for the Lord, somebody is going to have something to say about it. Some snide remark, they're not going to like it. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it well enough. You're not doing enough of it. Somebody's going to say something. And Jesus just forgave this man his sins. And the religious leader said, who in the world does he think he is? Only God can forgive sins. And they were right. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus. And I'm glad Jesus doesn't bring to everybody's attention what we're thinking. Because back in the day, he, and I know they sometimes cringed when they got around Jesus, the religious leaders, because he called them out. They would, just what they were thinking, they would be just be thinking some stuff, and Jesus would hear it. And he did the same thing then. They, they were just thinking. The Bible says they, they didn't say this out loud. They were simply thinking it. Who does he think he is? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad God doesn't put a little cloud above our head of what we're thinking? Who does he think he is? Jesus says, why are you thinking like that? And once you look what he says, which is easier. And I never understood this growing up until I really got into studying it. And God showed me exactly what he's talking about. He said, which is easier, to say thy sins are forgiven or to say take up your bed and walk? Which is easier? Because to say, to take up your bed and walk, Jesus just heals him. But don't miss this. For Jesus to say, thy sins are forgiven, you know what it cost him? It cost him his life. Which is easier, for me to just say, get up and walk, or for me to go to the cross and die for this man's sins? I... Uh, We were living in Kentucky, and uh, walked outside, and it was just, uh, I think at the time, we just had Mitchell. And I remember walking out one day, and uh, I was holding him, and I seen a little baby bird. Just, I could tell you, it couldn't fly, and it was just kind of skimpering around the place. And I thought, well, I'm going to get that bird and put it up somewhere safe and then I remember thinking I just let nature take its course I mean cats have to eat too I know that's cruel but if you're a cat person you're like yeah cats have to eat too so and I remembered I didn't even say it out loud I remember thinking I just let I ain't gonna fool with it I just let nature take its course and I took Mitchell inside I laid him down for a nap come back out for something and I walk out and there's that little baby chick right there at the door and I reach down and I scoop it up and I 
take it in, I put it in a little box, and I get it some bedding. And I had compassion on it. And I remember the Lord, after I, I did all that, I remember the Lord speaking to me. Because he knows what I'm thinking. And he said, aren't you glad I didn't just leave you all aside and let nature take its course? Aren't you glad I had compassion? You know why? Because we serve a great, big God. I, I love the, the song they did, How Great is Our God. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've got going on in your life. But whatever it is, I'm going to ask you tonight, what are you willing to do to get God's attention? I love the faith that these men had. Wasn't nothing going to stop them from getting him to Jesus. Keep in mind what they went through to get him in there. They thought it was just for healing. But that man's eternal salvation was taken care of that night. You've got something going on in your life, and I am willing to do anything to get God's attention. Know that when you do, it may not be exactly what you think it's going to be but it will absolutely be exactly what God has for you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as Lord comes to play something on the piano. There are several positions in this story that you could be right now. You could be the one laying in the bed with troubles and trials and you can't get to Jesus in the room you can't get to him on your own we get that way don't look down on somebody that's there because we all get that way we all get to a point where we can't get to Jesus on our own we need some somebody in my life and they're in that position and I'm going to grab a corner carry them to the Lord tonight they can't make it on their own I'm going to grab a corner and I'm going to carry them that's you why don't you come and pray Sadly enough, we may be those that stand by and 
watch God move. And say, who do they think they are? That ain't the way it's supposed to be done. That ain't the way I would. loves you just as much as he did the cripple. Jesus loves you just as much as he did the four friends that lowered him down through that ceiling. Why don't you get things right tonight? that you're still available that you still seek us out no matter what position each one of us in this room are tonight whether we're on the mat it seems like we can't get to you whether we're holding a corner Father where we're standing aside saying I don't be done this way. I give all those situations to you. Deal how you need to deal. Give us what you need us to have. Not what we want, not what we think we want. say our sins are forgiven. Thank you for your spirit, Father. Thank you for this church. All that they do for this community, Father. All that they do for one another. And I pray going forward that we are always willing to do whatever it takes to get your attention. That when you move in this building, move amongst this people that this whole community knows about. 
for all those that have come in prayer for whatever the situation is that they prayed about. Pray that you have your will and your way in that. Whether they're standing in the gap, Father, whether they need healing on their own. We give it all to you tonight. We pray this all in your sweet and holy name.